Welcome everyone to the Insatiable Appetite. My name is David Wright, Senior Marketing Manager here at the Hartman Group. I'm joined today by Renee Wheeler, Senior Consultant on the Hartman Retainer Services team. Hi, David. Hi, Renee. So we're here today to discuss highlights from a recently released report, COVID-19's Continued Impact on Eating. This is our third report in this series, which utilizes our proprietary Compass Eating Occasions database to highlight consumer eating behaviors impacted by COVID-19. Renee, for people listening out there who aren't as familiar with it, could you tell us a little about the Compass database? Yeah, absolutely. So our Compass Eating Occasions database is an online survey in which we're capturing respondents past 24-hour eating and drinking occasions. Uh, So we field this survey three times per year in the spring, summer, and fall. And we're asking respondents not only what they had to eat and drink in the past 24 hours, but also, you know, who who were they with? Where did it take place? Where did they source the food and beverage? And what were those need states driving those particular eating occasions? Uh, So the report that we're going to talk about today Today, we utilized our most recent wave of fielding um, for fall 2020. So that was fielded in October. And we compared that to the rest of the year. So we also, as I mentioned, fielded in summer, which was in July and August, as well as the spring, which was back in April and you know, at the start of the pandemic. So we're looking at how eating and drinking occasions have shifted throughout 2020, and we're comparing that to the full 2019 year. Or in some cases, we're just taking a look at our most recent fall 2020 wave and comparing that to fall 2019. Yeah, it's, it's a fascinating data set that changes all the time with, with these new collections of data. Um, when we spoke after the first report in the spring, There was disruption. We were seeing it everywhere, socially, culturally, as consumers work to deal with COVID-19. We also saw these pandemic-driven, heavy impacts on American eating habits, including the context of these eating occasions, like you were just describing, but also like food sourcing, where, where are they getting their food from? and then differences in cooking and food preparation. Mm -hmm. And with all of these mitigation efforts were in full effect and the lockdown and fear that everyone was experiencing, uh, we saw that eating occasions away from home were cut in half. And from morning through lunch, eating occasions were more likely to take place among couples and families. So what does that look like today? Well, yeah, absolutely. It was that we saw a lot of disruption in the spring, right? And since right. then, what we've seen is that at-home eating has steadily decreased, right? Since compared to the spring, mm-hmm. you know, lockdowns were lifted, consumers are returning to work, and a lot of people became more comfortable eating away from home. However, what eating look looks like today is still different when we look at um, how it was last year. So today, or in fall of 2020, I should say, 79% of eating and drinking occasions took place at home, which is still higher than typical behavior. Um, you know, in 2019, we saw that 75% of eating occasions took place at home. 
Now, when we look at this by generation, all generations um, since the spring have increased their away from home eating. Uh, many generations, uh, particular, particularly Gen Z, really returning to some of their pre-pandemic eating behaviors. So for example, 29% of Gen Z adult occasions are away from home in the fall of 2020 versus, you know, right around where it was pre-pandemic, so at 27% in um, 2019. And when we look at at-home eating across the day, we can see that this increase is still really driven by these morning snack, lunch, and afternoon snack occasions. So these were eating and drinking occasions that typically, you know, take place at work, you know, at a restaurant or on the go. And now that we're working and schooling from home more often, it's still that mid part of the day that's most impacted um, in regards to kind of where we're eating. That's fascinating. So what about there were the social context of eating? Um, we saw in the spring with so many consumers sheltering in place that eating occasions were more likely to be with others. Um, mm-hmm. Has this changed at all? Has it shifted? Yes, it has. In fact, you know, the overall social context of eating is actually approaching pre-pandemic levels, or it was in the fall of 2020. However, you know, from when we look at this across the day, from morning through lunch, adults are still less likely to eat alone when compared to last year. So that's early morning snacking through lunch occasions, um, which makes sense, you know, more, again, like we just said, more consumers are at home, they're working from home, Kids are still schooling from home in many cases, so they're more likely to be among others in that early part of the day. However, from afternoon snack on, occasions are relatively similar to what they were pre-pandemic, right? So we're eating and drinking with others at about the same rate. That's that's really fascinating. What about kind of outside of the home, Renee? Um, you know, we saw in early on in the pandemic restaurant closures and people worried about hygiene safety and fears of contamination it led to just a plummeting of of restaurant occasions Mm -hmm. how does how does this look today what's going on there well as you mentioned you know dining at restaurants it has increased from the spring um, to it to summer and again to fall, but levels have yet to return to where they were prior to the pandemic. So we're still dining out at restaurants le- much less than we were last year. However, when we look at sourcing from restaurants, so that includes like takeout, delivery, you know, even leftover consumption, we're pretty much on par to where we were at this point last year. So in fall of 2020, um, 25% of eating occasions either took place or were sourced from a restaurant. Now that's up significantly, as I mentioned, from the 17% that we saw in the spring, um, but it's also, but it's pretty complicated comparable to what we saw in both the summer and um, in pre-pandemic in 2019, which is that 24%. That is really fascinating to think that, you know, takeout still plays such a central role. That's fascinating. Um, Another interesting thing that we saw at the beginning of the pandemic was that lunch and lunch eating occasions were taking on these characteristics of dinner so lunch mm-hmm. had become this sort of higher stakes meal 
that involve more cooking at home and with others. What's going on with lunch? Do you still see things like that? Well, we definitely would say that lunch continues to be impacted Mm -hmm. by COVID-19. However, a lot of those, what we call kind of dinner-like qualities, you know, it was a much higher stakes meal. There was more needs involved. Um, They were spending more money at lunch. Um, They were more likely to be among others. A lot of those characteristics have since kind of faded away. Um, And also, as you mentioned, more cooking involved. Um, That didn't last throughout the summer and the fall. So in the fall, what's really still kind of impacted most is where the occasion takes place. So uh, for lunch occasions, 67% still take place at home and that's up quite a bit from the 57% we saw last year at this time, but much lower than the huge numbers we saw at the beginning of the pandemic, which was right around 81% of lunch occasions were taking place at home. So we also saw that the moderate levels of lunch preparation that were taking place in the spring have now been replaced by restaurant sourcing, right? So that little extra bit of at-home preparation that was taking place is now, you know, consumers are now more comfortable um, going going to food service uh, for lunch occasions. Uh, There's also this heightened kind of perceptions of busyness, right? going on. I think at the beginning of the pandemic, um, consumers tended to feel like they had a little bit more time on their hands. But then as, you know, as we're adapting to kind of the new realities of life during COVID, you know, people, people are busy, right? So perceptions of busy, busyness have also increased, which was really interesting. Uh, not as much time to cook and prepare meals at home. But at the same time, compared to last year, you know, lunch occasions do still involve a bit more planning and advanced sourcing. In fact, 39% of lunch occasions are, are decided less than an hour before eating. This is uh, quite a bit lower than the 47% that we see typically or uh, in fall of 2019. And uh, 29% involve food and beverage items which are sourced eight or more days prior to eating. Um, and this is, again, up quite a bit from the typical 22% that we saw in fall 2019. Interesting. So um, we've seen another interesting shift we saw previously was with more consumers at home, they were planning and spending more time executing meal plans, and they were really heavily involved in cooking, as you were sort of just hinting Mm -hmm. at. Um, and, And that was sort of out of necessity and concerns for safety. But there was also a positive part to cooking more. We saw that consumers were becoming more creative and exploring new recipes and cooking techniques um, that they had previously been outsourcing to restaurants. Mm -hmm. Have you seen any uh, changes in cooking? Yeah, and overall, as I mentioned at lunch, we saw that level drop a bit. And then at dinner, the same things happened, right? So those high levels of cooking engagement that we saw at the beginning of the pandemic, um, all this heavy preparation, you know, consumers were actually in the cooking uh, kitchen, like cooking, chopping vegetables, cutting meat, right. etc. So those higher levels of engagement that we saw when the pandemic started have, have since dropped off, right? We're seeing normal, typical behavior, right? So cooking fatigue definitely set in and it set in fairly quickly. We saw the drop in the summer um, when we um, reported our eating occasions data and that continued 
throughout the fall. So that those heavy levels of preparation were replaced with restaurant sourcing, right? Sure. So they're not turning to kind of ready to eat items or anything else that you'd source from, you know, grocery store. Instead, instead they're going back to restaurant sourcing, which is really interesting. And one other thing that we saw with restaurant sourcing that's also um, of note is that leftovers have also increased. And leftover consumption of foods sourced from food service in particular has gone up. So we're finding that usage of leftovers has increased as Americans are really leveraging food service and restaurant food to fulfill a wider range of eating occasions, um, which is really interesting. So when they're getting that takeout or delivery food, you know, coming to their house, you know, whether that's through uh, through a third party delivery service or, you know, whether they're going to pick it up um, using takeout, they're using those um, those food service occasions to fulfill multiple eating occasions. And they're having those, you know, the next day, uh, particularly, you know, for morning snack, lunch um, throughout the day, um, which is which was an increasing shift we saw this fall. That is so fascinating, and and you don't hear people talking about that uh, finding that much, the concept of having leftovers around. Certainly cooking fatigue says it all about just how people have experienced COVID. Um, Have you noticed any other changes in the fall wave of research? Well, uh, one other interesting thing to note is that we did see quite a few interesting shifts um, when we we took a look at millennial need states. Um, So need states in regards to um, health and wellness, in regards to kind of premium food and beverage attributes, as well as kind of cooking and caring for others all increased among millennials. Um, And this was interesting because all of those increased. However, we have these like baseline um, need states that are always top the list. And that ranges from uh, convenience. So wanting something that's quick and easy, wanting foods that are simple and have real ingredients or fresh, less processed, as well as price. And what was interesting is while these other attributes related to premium, health and wellness, and cooking and caring for others increased, those baseline needs remain the same. So kind of the relative importance of these new needs um, was really interesting to see among millennials, you know, you know it's particularly so, for example, around health and wellness, we've seen that a lot of consumers are really turning to food and beverage to stay healthy, uh, prevent disease, you know, they're thinking more about food as medicine. And also in regards to kind of caring for oneself and others through uh, food preparation, you've seen like cooking at home is often viewed as just kind of a way of taking care of others, a sign of love, and one in which, you know, is more important during, uh, you know, this pandemic. And so while we saw those high levels of cooking and preparation have declined since the spring, um, those needs still related to um, scratch cooking and culinary assistance are, are still really elevated. 
And at the same time, you know, as many folks had to put their vacations on hold, um, things like that, millennials are instead, we're finding that they're really engaging and exploring with these high quality, as I mentioned, kind of premium foods, you know, whether that's through authentic global flavors or unique brand narratives or even sustainability um, attributes or cues. Um, so that was one other interesting thing that we found in this fall wave of fielding that really stood out from last year. Thanks, Renee. This is absolutely fascinating. It's a fascinating report. I think it illustrates how useful our Compass database is for uncovering insights and opportunities that link to eating habits. Uh, For those of you who are interested, you can learn more about the report COVID-19's Continued Impact on Eating Habits and the Compass database by visiting the Hartman Group website. Thanks for listening today. Thank you.